0: For God loves a cheerful giver, and God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that in all things at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. As it is written, he who he has scattered abroad his gifts to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed, and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be made rich in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion, and through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. This service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of God's people, but is also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God.
1: Thanks, my favorite person. All right. um, We are in part six of a series on stewardship. And as I've been saying to you every week, stewardship means to manage and take care of something which doesn't belong to you. And today we're talking about money. When you talk about my money, you're actually talking about if you belong to the Lord Jesus, you're talking about God's money. You're talking about something that he is the master of. And you are responsible for, you get to manage. It gets, it's actually quite generous to us that we get to manage his money, but it's about how we handle the money, his money, under his name for, in, in, in his will. Now, I'm going to talk about today. Today, we have been, um, this is part six of our series, and this is, I have four sermons, particularly with respect to money and worldly wealth. And this is the third of those of that of those uh, um, of those messages when it comes to money. And today's subject is on generosity. Today's subject is on how we give. And does your heart give willingly, gladly, cheerfully? Um, it says in the passage that we must we must each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion. For God loves a cheerful giver. That's the goal of today's message. It is my goal of today's message that you would walk out of today and if, if at least you're not quite there yet, you would want to be a cheerful giver. You would give gladly, willingly of your wealth and of, of, the, of, your, of the funds that God has given you to steward. So we'll talk about this in three parts. One, the road to cheerful giving and we're usually far from that road, okay? And I understand that. Part two, I would like to give you some some practical tips and some counsel in part three. What does it mean to be enriched by God, truly to be enriched by God? Um, to start off this message, uh, I'd like to, I've been thinking about some, I'd like to give you a quote from, one of my favorite Bible teachers, and that's Pastor Tim Keller from New York City's Redeemer Presbyterian Church. This is something that I heard him say years ago, and it, and it kind of always sticks in my mind. And especially when it talks about giving, and the question of giving, and how our relationship to money, um, this is one of the things that, that really kind of stays with me as I, as I look at, at our society. He made this observation that when it comes to this, our time, and, and, in things, and the way it is in the world these days, he says that when it comes to sex and our bodies, that we are t- supposed to be generous. <laughs> that in our times, you're, it's good to be generous with your body, but when it comes to money, when it comes to money, we're very stingy. The money stays in your pocket, stays in here.
0: Right?
1: He says, but when it comes to Christianity, the Christian viewpoint and the value system is exactly the opposite. When it comes to sex... We're actually supposed to be stingy with our body. That's the way to put it. Christians are supposed to be stingy with our body, that your body sexually is only supposed to be given toward your spouse, the one that you've made covenantal vows with under God. So in that sense, stingy. You're not giving away to everybody, but only one person should be generous to your spouse, by the way, with your body, but not to other people. But when it comes to your money, Christians are supposed to be generous with our money. In fact, even radically generous with money. Surprisingly, shockingly giving with our money. Um, we already know that the world doesn't like our sexual ethic. And pretty much most of the world knows that that's how Christians think about, about sexuality in the body. And in fact, for the most part, it bothers them. It's offensive to them that, that what our positions are on sexuality. In fact, some, some people who don't believe in the Lord are even offended <laughs> even by the way we practice our sexual purity. They just by Even the way we do it, they, just, they don't even find it attractive. That's, they, but they already know about it. But, nonetheless, there are lots of people outside the church, when they think about Christianity, I don't know if, you, if you've ever heard this. You've probably heard this. You maybe even know people who will exactly say this. They basically think that church... The Christianity, the whole edifice of the religion is basically just a sophisticated con game to get people to part with the money. The whole point of getting you here on Sunday is so that when we get that part in the offering, is so we're going to try to get you to get as much money into that as possible. So somebody like me who's running the con, because it's really about money. That's what they think. (laughs) They think it's really, ultimately, the thing that's powerful in the world. So let me give you a little visual. Let's have a visual. The thing that's really in the powerful in the world is this. This is the thing that really matters. Well, you know, some of you you don't this isn't what you use. You use this, <laughs> right? And uh, maybe yours has a, got a special gold colors or black colors or something like that and then we know that you you're, you're really doing well in this category. At least you want the world to think you're doing well in this category. But a lot of people think that this is the thing that's real. This is the thing that is power. And and it it's not un, unreasonable to think that because this gets you stuff. <laughs> huh? and, and, and we're not just talking material goods. It gets you, you can go down to the store and get yourself a nice hamburger. It gets you your car. It gets you your house. But it gets you things like respect. It gets you a reputation. You can even get a girlfriend with this. <laughs> right? You can get a girl, I mean, you really can get a girlfriend because if you have enough of this, right? Um, and you can see it. Sometimes you're watching TV or you're walking down the street and you're looking like, like how did that ugly guy get that girl? <laughs> and you see this really gorgeous girl with that guy and you're thinking, oh, he must be rich, All right? And you'd probably be right, <laughs> okay? You'd probably be right. They're actually, economists have actually studied this. They've actually said that if a man is ugly <laughs> or if he's short how much money he has to make in order to get a really gorgeous uh, girlfriend. I mean, they've actually studied, they've actually put numbers to this. I, 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 don't, I don't know the exact numbers, but they've actually, it's, it's ridiculous. We've actually studied this, okay? But um, people see that this has power. And this is the thing that's real. And since I can't see God, isn't God some kind of a fairy to heaven? It used to be 30 or 40 years ago, everybody believed that there was a place called heaven. And maybe a somewhat smaller percentage of people believe that there was a place called hell. But now these people aren't even sure about that. So what's the real stuff? What's the tangible stuff? It's money. (laughs) There are a lot of people today who think that Christians are just a bunch of hypocrites. Uh, We have all these rules and judgmentalism like on sex. Hmm? Uh, But when it comes to things like money and so forth, they're just like us. And they just care about money and they just think about money and they're greedy for money and they're stingy about money and they're fearful about money and their money, they handle money just like us. It just stays in their pocket. They're stingy with money just like us. And so how is their God real? Now, do you think this way or you have friends who think this way? I know people who grew up in church who actually have have this sneaking skepticism and feeling And let me say this, if you feel this way and think this way, um, and you think that if Christians, people who say they believe in Jesus and they met God through the Bible and all that stuff, and they have no difference in their relationship to money as everybody outside of the church, let let me say this to you. I agree with those people who say that a God who can't change people in the, in, the, in the most worldly, the thing that people put their deepest hope in, they can't change their relationship to money and their attitude toward money and their behavior with respect to money, that if that God can't do that, he's not much of a God. I absolutely agree with that. In fact, I think the Bible agrees with that. By the way, this is why I don't think that Buddhism is, much of a, is gives you much of a salvation system. I, it doesn't, I don't see lots of, radically generous people out of, out of Buddhism. It certainly doesn't make me think that secularism is a hope. Most of the secular people I know, they're not like anybody else. The vast majority of people I know, where do they put their hope? Well, you know, money is a big one. <laughs> so I really agree with Tim Keller on this. And one of the challenges that Keller says is if we ever really want people to see our God, to really have the hope of the real and true and living God, of course we have to show them a, a more beautiful vision of sexuality and marriage and family and the human relationship of that condition, absolutely, right? But even more than that, there are many of you who are very sexually chaste, and you don't see yourself as broken in that way. But if you are very stingy with your money, people will not see God in your life, and there's not much power of God in your life. I think that's true. And so... One of, the, one of the things that Tim, Tim Keller likes to say is, well, there's a lot of left-wing people. <laughs> they, they, they're all free, free, free-willing when it comes to sex. But there's a lot of right-wing people that are like, the money is my money. <laughs> and a lot of the Christians are on the right-wing side. If you can't get them to think differently about money, then they can't see that Jesus is more than left-wing or right-wing. That God is real. Um, give me a little bit more from Tim Keller. Um, if for those of you who track with us in our devotions and our quiet time, I, I like to just mix it up every now and then. Usually, you know, we I, I give out passages for us to meditate on and chew on. What could God say to us through the, through God's word? And usually, they're all passages from Scripture. But every now and then, I like to throw out a, a quote, a select choice from from a, a, a whom I think who is a very fine Bible teacher. This week I picked a choice passage from Tim Keller and um, I'd like to share it sort of with you. This is the way he puts it. Every temple has a treasury and out of the treasury was supported the worship and salvation system of that particular deity. You guys know this. You guys know this is true. If you ever see like a church or a worshipful building, a temple, somebody has to pay for that thing. <laughs> Especially if it's not run down. So there's money going there. There's a treasury going there. And that treasury supports the worship and the salvation system of that particular God. And this is the way he puts it. From that insight, says this. The Lord is saying, when you're talking about passages, there's so many passages in the-, in the Bible about money. And I know that money is a hard topic. And a lot of people go to church. That's like the last topic that they want the pastor to be preaching on. But the- there's a lot in the passage about money. And by the way, today's subject matter about being generous, there are so many passages I could have picked. I mean, it's easy to find a passage in the Bible to call forth people to be generous, right? um, And I picked one that I think is particularly extraordinary, but this is the way Keller put it. The Lord is saying, put your treasure in my temple, my treasury into the worship of my salvation, into me. If you're not doing that, the implication is that where your money goes is really going to some other temple and to some other treasury. And here's the way Keller puts it. Your treasury is where you find it the easiest to place, spend, or save your money. Let me put it a little bit differently. You know what generosity is? Generosity is where you easily put your money. Me, I know this is a kind of a funny way of putting Wherever you easily like to be generously give your money to, that's probably where your treasury is. All right? So that's the way he puts it. It's, if it's, if it's, it's effortless to put your money toward that which is your real God, no matter what you say you believe. A lot of people say they believe in Jesus. But if your real hope is something else, your money will go to that, if it's in Jesus. If you find it very easy to spend money on clothes, your wardrobe may be your real treasury. If you find it, you're looking to your personal appearance to get that sense of desirability and acceptability rather than looking to the love of God. So let's put it this way. Where is your... It's easy for your money to be generous to. Are you very generous to Macy's? (laughs) Let me put it that way. If you're very generous to Macy's, then maybe... Your clothes, or is your treasury, or very generous to the Gap or L.L. Bean? Okay, okay, all right. Um, let, let me choose something else. Um, that shows you how like how dweeby I am. I don't know. I don't. I don't know the. I don't know the cool place. Um, uh, are you generous to uh, Armani? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't know of anybody in this in, in our church who is. I haven't seen them. At least they haven't seen them wear it to church. Okay. Are you are you generous to uh, to Dolce Gabbana? <laughs> all right, all right, that's fancy. All right, I, I have no idea what Dolce Gabbana. Called. I didn't even know what it was. All right, I, I, I preached at this youth retreat years ago, and I was using this illustration out of like Cosmopolitan. I was like, what's DG? And the kids went, Dolce the Gabbana. And I was like, okay, these kids are hipper than I am. All right, but maybe that's where your treasury is. Huh? Um. Others, others look uh, okay. others look at spend, those, those people who spend their money on things like clothes, and we sneer. We save everything and live frugally amassing our wealth. And you know what Keller says? Then our bank is our treasury and our security. You know what Keller's saying? "Your bank is your temple. Bank is your church. That's a strange way of putting it. Are you generous to your bank? By the way, if you put your money in your bank, you know you're giving them money. (laughs) They get to use your money to make more money. So when you put your money into a bank, even if it's a savings account, they get richer. The bank gets richer. You are being generous to your bank when you put money into your bank. It's absolutely true. Hmm. Is your generosity, that's easily where you put it. it's, It's kind of strange to think that Okay, I'm being generous to my savings account. If that's where it's easy to where to go, that's your treasury. That's your treasury. Your bank is your temple. Your savings account is your treasury. So Keller says, you're looking to your money to give you control in a very chaotic world. Money will always show you what you do worship. And worship. Let me put it this way, and you can see that worship is not what most people think it is. Worship. People people think that worship is going to a certain kind of religious, so-called temple, and doing certain kinds of religious acts. So there's lots of people who, when they in those 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 uh, surveys that go around, say, "What is your religion? What do you believe in? What do you?" Believing? They say, "I don't believe in anything. I'm a nun." That's actually a category these days. I'm a nun. All right? There's a lot of secular, agnostic people who call themselves the nun category, and they don't think they worship. But they do. But they do. They go down to their temple called Macy's or the bank. There's a, very, there's a lot of different temples where they like to put their treasury. So Keller continues. Money will always show you what you do worship. For some, money serves a security idol. For others, money serves an approval idol. For some, money serves a control idol. But money can't give you what your heart is hoping that it will. It will you guys know that? Do you know that? Maybe some of you in your head know that. Money can't fill my heart. You know that in your head, but do you really know that? Um, There are people who get to a certain point of wealth, especially there's a part of me that wishes everybody can have a, a good chunk of money at some point in their life. You have enough money, more than enough money, so you can find out that money can't fill your heart. Now if you are rich and you have a lot of money, let's say you make well over our county's median income, you make well over that, and you still are like money, 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 then maybe you're just, maybe you're just so messed up you will never learn, really. There are people, with million, millionaires, who, who, go, who don't learn this. They're still trying to fill their heart with money. They're really pathetically sad people. <laughs> but there are a lot of people who grew up poor and they never quite experienced this. They've always hard scrabbled. They've always felt lack, lack, lack. And maybe not a little bit of lack, but like very great lack. And so then they think, if I have enough, then my heart will be filled. I actually want them to get more so then they can get to this point where they can find out if it's not true. And I'm not trying to brag about this a little bit, but, um, um, but actually the Lord kind of gave me this blessing. <laughs> right? I mean, my family grew up poor. We uh, were an immigrant family, and in the late 70s, when, when my family came to the United States, actually, my dad was laughing about this recently. I don't remember what was the occasion for him to say this. He said that we showed up to America with $300. Because according to the law, according to Korean national, back then, Korea was a poor country, and the last thing they, the, the government wanted is they did not want money to leave the country. Now, I'm sure you know, Koreans found ways to cheat that system, Right? But apparently, my parents were not that clever, <laughs> and so they really only had that much money. This—that's all the money we had when we came to America. And I was—and my dad was laughing about that because he's laughing about how poor he was when we when we came here. I didn't know that we were that poor. I was just a kid. I was a little kid. But, and so, throughout my youth, we lived basically. We moved from poor to a little less poor to a little less poor, but always fairly modest neighborhoods. And my parents have, a, we were a kind of, you know, my parents were this kind of immigrants. So we lived in a really poor neighborhood, and then a relatively poor neighborhood. I didn't think it was a poor neighborhood, but looking back, and then, I guess it was a kind of poor neighborhood, right? And then, and then, a somewhat better neighborhood, but still a fairly modest neighborhood, and then, actually, and then we went down, although my parents were getting better off, but then we actually went into an even poor neighborhood. And then, suddenly, when I hit high school, my parents moved to Saratoga, and not even just... Saratoga, which is like one of the old money neighborhoods, one of the rich neighborhoods, like the upper rich neighborhoods, the elite neighborhoods, I don't know how that happened. That was, I mean, I do know how it happened. It's a wild story and I'll tell you about it one these days if you want to hear the story. But, so, we, we, I, I never felt poor as a kid, right, but I guess it was. So we, we just kind of had, and then all of a sudden we kind of went, and then boom, I had you know kind of economic culture shock because we moved to a rich neighborhood. And I got, for the first time, to find out what it's sort of like to be around rich people and rich kids and kind of what it's like. You know what I found out after a few years of living there? It's not all that. I actually found out exactly what Tim Keller said. Money will not give you what your heart is thinking. And by the way, I didn't learn it right away. For some of you guys who have been irregulars, you know that... um, that when I was a junior in high school, the, the, the car I really wanted was a 1988 BMW 325i convertible, red. <laughs> red. <laughs> had to be red. And that thing was, there's was all this riches around me, and that was my covetousness. And I thought if I could just have that, and that's not, it isn't just the car, it's all that that car represents. If I had that, then my heart would be full. But the longer I live there, I realize it's not true. It's just not true. And my heart, it wouldn't work. So one more little thing from Tim Keller before I, I, I um, move on to the text. There's a story of a Christian professor named Dr. Leach. Two women in college decide to be missionaries, and the parents are upset. One of the parents calls Dr. Leach. We wanted our daughter to get a master's degree, to get something in the bank, to get some security. I've heard that story many times. That happens in the Asian church many times. <laughs> Somebody wants to go be a missionary, a pastor, and then supposedly godly parents, then, then they flip out. I mean, I mean, parents who are, are, are elders and even pastors, I've, I've seen them flip out. This is Dr. Leech's response to this common worldly response. We're all on a little ball of rock called earth. And we're spinning along through space at zillions of miles an hour. Even if we don't run into anything, eventually we're all going to die. Every single one of us. A trap door is going to open up beneath us. And we'll fall either into the everlasting arms of God or absolutely nothing. And maybe along the way we can get a master's degree and get a little security. That's what we really need, right? Let me, let me take you to this text. Um, why this text? It's an extraordinary passage. What Paul is doing here in the church of Corinth is actually he's teaching to give. He's kind of doing what I'm doing. right? He's appealing to a church as to why to give. And what he was doing was, uh, this, in, the, in the Greco-Roman time, There was, the original church was the church in Jerusalem. And uh, the church in Jerusalem at this time was hurting. I'm not exactly sure it was. I don't know if they went through a famine. Um, There was a poverty. And the the brothers and sisters who were in Jerusalem were were really hurting. And so Paul and the other leaders had decided to ask. They had Paul as a missionary and as a church and as a pastor. Had planted a number of other churches in the other Greco-Roman cities. And now he was asking them to give generously to help the Jewish Christians in Jerusalem. And let me tell you something, that is a remarkable and astonishing thing. Because not unlike today, I mean, the Jews were Greco-Romans, especially sophisticated, educated, Greco-Romans. Most Greco-Romans are like today. They are, they are generous with their bodies. <laughs> there's, there's a lot of sleeping around, temple prostitution, and so forth throughout the Greco-Roman world. And guess what? Stingy with their money. <laughs> and they know that Jews are the people that have this weird sexual ethic. Their religion was offensive. They only believe in this one God. They have this stupid book called the Bible. This guy named Moses. We've never heard of it. And it's like who the heck wants to help people like that? And so for Paul to ask people who are Christians, so you just think, Christians are Christians and don't Christians help Christians? Not true. This world had never seen this. In his time, the world had never seen one set of people sacrifice financially for another set of people, especially for a despised ethnicity, throughout the racism of the time. That's just common. I mean today, do you see do you see groups of of of, of white people sacrificing lots of money for groups of black people? Or vice versa? Is that a common thing? Even today, it's not even all that common. But back then, it would have been shocking. And so, Paul was taking a special offering, and he was going to personally take that to Jerusalem itself. And so let me ask you, if you have your Bible there, just drop back to chapter 8. And just this is how Paul appeals to the church of Corinth. And this is how he describes it. He says, verse 1, We want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. This is in Greece. So these are the other churches, not even the Church of Corinth. And by the way, the Church of Corinth was probably a richer church. It's like a, it's, Corinth is not unlike San Jose or Silicon Valley, important global city. But there were other churches kind of throughout the hillside. And this is what he's talking about, those churches. For in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of, and there's the word, generosity on their part. For they gave according to their means, as I can testify. I mean, it wasn't tons of money because they're not rich people. But they also gave beyond their means of their own accord. They begged us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints. And this, not as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord and then by the will of God to us. See that's the way it should look like in the kingdom. Keller is right. If it's in the world, give you another little, another little uh, little nugget from Keller. In this world, it's your life for mine. It's what can I get from you? From me. <laughs> but in the kingdom under the gospel, it's what can I give? My life for you. What can I give to you? That absolutely, of course, for, includes money. And these Macedonian Christians, they first had an encounter with God. And then by supernatural grace, their heart was moved to move toward their brothers and sisters and pour forth sacrifice. In fact, even beyond what he thought, he was shocked. And this is what he tells the Corinth church. And so this is the discussion that's going on. And then he gets to this point. So I know that's the backstory, And then he gets to this point. And this is where he says it. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Now Paul isn't just talking about money, but he is, he is saying money relates to something about where you're going to reap. If you can't sow your money bountifully... <laughs> You're not going to learn something about God. And of his real riches, will you be able to reap bountifully? If you are stingy with even the things, worldly things, which aren't even worth that much, how can you have real riches from God? How can you have a harvest? How can you reap of things that are really rich if you are so sparing with the things that are like this? That's what he's saying. It's not easy, is it? We're like most people. I'm like most people. This is not an easy thing to learn, and it takes a process. And that is, as I said at the beginning of this message, the very goal of this message is to get you to be like this, that not reluctantly or under compulsion, not reluctantly. See, there's a lot of people who outwardly, they like to give their money or in the church or to other people, but in their hearts, they're like, just better do this so people will think I'm a good person. <laughs> People better do this so they'll think, I really actually am a good Christian. That's reluctantly. That's not the gospel way. It's not reluctantly. It's generously, willingly, with a cheerful heart. Some of you are going like, is that possible? (laughs) Is that actually possible that I would gladly want to part with my money? I actually want to do that, and I'd be happy to do that. That's the goal. But if you have an encounter the true God through the gospel, not only can it happen, it will happen. Change your whole view and response toward money. And I'm, by the way, I'm not even just talking about money you give to the Lord and give to the church. I'm just talking about how you handle money, period. Are you a generous person? How you give money to others, to those around you, to those who are in need. That's what we're talking about today, generosity. your hearts, Your heart's relationship to your... To your finances. Um, let me go to part two of my message. Um, some practical, because I think, mean, you know, you're not going to just have this thing like, okay, just hit me. You're like, you know, like just zap me, you know, like let, let the pastor talk and then I'll just be zapped and then I'm going to walk out like <laughs> hopefully generous and you're like, that ain't going to happen, is it? It's not, that's not the way it works. Huh? And first, your heart has to want to go there and then to apply some faith in certain ways and so, this heart change begins to grow out of you. You, begin, you start to become a new person. And so let me just give some, so just some practical tips. Number one, learn to give. Just do some practical giving. And, and by the way, it could start small, right? Put some giving in your life that you're not maybe even doing now, right? And do it in such a way that it starts to become a part of your lifestyle and push back against normal stinginess. Usually it's all about me, my money, my clothes, my wealth, my savings, the stuff I get out of it, or maybe your kids. By the way, if you say, oh, I'm generous, I give a lot to my kids. You're not generous. <laughs> <All right? laughs> you're just an average mom and dad. <laughs> if you, you do not give much to your kids, you're just a bad mom and dad. Okay? <laughs> but if you, uh, if, you, if you are an average mom and dad, you're generous to your kids. But if you're generous to your kids and to your family and, and, and to yourself and nobody else, then you're not generous. You're just like anybody else. I mean, everybody's like that. Come on, right? It's just not real. (laughs) But if, so, when I'm talking about generous, practice some form of generosity to someone you normally would not do. To put, so, practice somewhere in your life that somewhere, put some seed and some practice into your lifestyle, which just pushes back against your normal stinginess. It's about me. Let it go some way. And, um, just let me give you a story about this. When I, uh, this was not an easy thing for me to learn. <laughs> um, when I first went off to college, I was a very worldly uh, and stingy Christian. I didn't know this. I mean, I became a Christian when when I was um, when I was in about sixth grade, and then I grew in my faith. But until I went off to college, I I had no clue that I was so stingy. All the money, I really was one of these guys that kept track of every penny. I mean, to this day, I still. And I write a check. Some of you, are you guys? Are, are, it's amazing to me that people write a check and then they don't go into their checkbook and record it. You guys are crazy if you're like that. Okay, <laughs> are, are many of you like that. You write a check and you kind of go, I kind of just know what it is. I'm like, that's dumb. In my mind, that's dumb. Right? And I was never like that. I always knew exactly. Right? And I, I, I still kind of operate like that. But back then, I was really anal about it because every penny was important to me. And when I went off to college, and I was a part of InterVarsity Christian Fellowship. And I still remember the guy who taught it. He was he was my uh, the, the the staff leader in verse, and he was all for all intents and purposes my pastor. Right? Guy's name was Bill Glad, and he started saying things about, "Look, guys, if if in, if our lifestyle is such that we're never generous and we never really practice any kindness toward our friends around us, how will they know that our God is real?" So he starts challenging us toward, like, money. So, he's, so this way he put it. He says, so the next time you just go out to lunch with your friends, um, and remember, I mean, I'm a poor college student, you know, freshman year in college. When we go out to lunch, it would be Taco Bell, <laughs> all right? And Taco Bell costs like, $0.59 cent for a taco back then. I mean, it was cheap. But we go out to lunch, and he would just say, you know what, next time you go out to lunch, and maybe you got two or three friends with you, just, well, you just pick up the tab. <laughs> Just get it. Not, not because you expect them to pay back. Maybe they'll never pick up the tab for you. But just out of kindness, you, you don't even have to say anything about Jesus or anything. Just do it. Just do it. And you know when I heard him say that, you know what my reaction was? I was like, dude, no way, man. <laughs> that was my initial reaction. I started to squirm. I actually really could feel myself squirming inside when he said that. I, I didn't really want to do it. And you know what? I didn't, <laughs> at least not my freshman year. I didn't do it my freshman year. I didn't do it till my junior year. But that word was in there. I, I can remember, I, I, can still, I can close my eyes and picture Bill Glad standing up there. He was, a, he, was a, he was a blonde guy in his early 30s, happily saying, spend your money like this. And I was thinking like, no, dude. <laughs> that was my reaction. And he told other stories like this. He would say, on our campus, on our campus, how could people see that our God is real? And so he, he, he talked about a group. So when he was an underclassman in college, this, he, this is how he learned it. And I was thinking, this is interesting. He learned it from his upperclassmen. There was a group that read passages like this and said, we want to show people our God, our Jesus this way. So let's start doing some like, out-of-the-box, some radical thinking with our money. Let's look, you know, maybe we're, you know, we're just college students, so we can't do anything really crazy, but we could do some things that would really surprise people. So they got together. And you, guys, you know, if you've been in college, you guys know what it's like. People stay up late at night, and they're miserable. They're studying for some midterm. And then, and, you know, and then they get hungry, because it's you know, 12.30 or 1 o'clock in the morning, and then they want to eat something. And then what do they usually do? They, they pick up the phone, and then they call the cheapest pizza they can find. You know, back then for me it was Domino's. It it's like eating garbage. Okay, it's like horrible. It's like eat, It's like cardboard with a pepperoni on top. Okay, and so um, that they, they 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 you know blow some money on Domino's so they can you know not be hungry and then they continue studying. And so these older upperclassmen they got together. And you know what they decided to do? They pulled some money. And then they went out to I think it was Safeway, the supermarket. And they got a nice spread of food. Not, not junky food, but like even good food. And then they put it out in their dorm room <laughs> late at night. They never even owned up to it. When people said, where's this food coming from? They didn't say anything. <laughs> they didn't say it's from us because we swear to Jesus. We want you to get you. They didn't even say any of that stuff. They just watched people show up and said, where did this come from? In bewilderment, in gladness. And they ate it and they're all happy. <laughs> they're happy eating this food and then, and then they go back to the misery they're studying. <laughs> and you know what they did? And they found out this is exactly like this passage says that there will be a harvest of righteousness. That if you reap, if you sow, you will also reap bountifully. And what they saw was that kindness and generosity just brings joy. It was so surprising and so weird. Everybody couldn't believe it. They're like, "What is this?" And they were just just gratitude and happiness. And the whole room started getting happy where before they were all miserable. And they watched this happen. And you know what started happening? They started getting joyful. You guys know? Have you ever seen that bumper sticker that says that says practice? Random Acts of Kindness and Generosity. You Ever seen that bumper sticker? You're driving, you're driving around? and I remember the first time I was, I was like, that's a completely weird bumper sticker. And I noticed that uh, lots of people who don't go to church or don't believe in God, they, you know, they stick that bumper sticker on there. And I'm thinking, and the first time I looked at that bumper sticker, I was thinking, if, you know, on the one hand, I'm thinking, I understand why people are urging us to do that. Because anytime, time, even if it's not of the Lord, when there's genuine kindness and generosity from the heart, you know what it produces? Just like a flash of glory and beauty comes into the world. It makes us glad. It's kind of like when when you're sitting at the restaurant and somebody walks in with a baby, (laughs) a mom walks in with a baby, and the baby is really beautiful and joyful, what happens? Everybody smiles. But actually, generosity and kindness, it even does that even more. And, but... You know, if in this world, if you take acts of kindness and generosity and it's just random, they're not connected to God or anything, it actually doesn't make sense. If there is no God, there is no heaven, then let me just say to you, why be generous? It's actually stupid to be generous. It makes no sense. If, if it's from God, it makes utter sense. The glory and beauty... We can reap bountifully of these things. But, and even for our our friends and neighbors, but if there's no God, then come on. Then just keep your money. Who cares about the poor? I mean, seriously, who cares? It's like, sorry. Sorry, African kid, dying of AIDS, Ebola. Born in the wrong country. (laughs) You know, i got to make sure I keep my own. That is completely logical. So, you know, Think about these university guys. Uh, my junior year I didn't do it till my junior year. <laughs> I was out to lunch with my friends one day, and I was thinking about that. I was thinking about Bill Glad. Um, and I did it. I just paid for lunch with my friends, and they all looked at me weird. You know we were out there, and then before they could pay, I paid. And then, you know, I, just, I sat down and they were like, "What the heck did you do that for?" I said, dude, because you guys are my friends. That's it. I didn't say anything about God or Jesus. And they were just, they were kind of, they just didn't really know what to make of it. And then at the moment, then they got happy and thankful. And you know what happened? I got happy. I got joyful. And that was my first, really, the first time my whole life I actually ever did this. And I found out, dude, this is cool. I'm going to keep, I'm going to try it again. My senior year, a friend of mine said, you know, like, I, had, I drove a junky car my freshman year, and then I drove a nice car my senior year. My dad gave me his you know, car that was relatively new, and then, he, and then I got to drive that my senior year. My buddy said, hey, will you loan me your car so that I can take my girlfriend to some such and such dance? My freshman year, the answer would have been, Hec no. <laughs> Heck no. Are you nuts? If you wreck that car, I'll kill you. Senior year? At first, I wrestled with it. <laughs> And then I said, Lord, help me do it, not reluctantly. And then I did it, gave him the key. Ten years later, (laughs) he married that girl. (laughs) Ten years later, he married that girl. And at a college reunion, he was sitting there telling me, Hey, Zeus, remember when you let me have that car? Dude, that was awesome. That's how I got my wife. (laughs) And I was thinking, I laughed so hard when he told me that. And you know when he said that to me? I remembered how how much I wrestled with the Lord. You know what I also heard? He said that to me. I heard Jesus say to me, see? Reap bountifully. So give some generosity, some place that that pushes back. Let me give you a second tip. Um, Look, Okay, some of you have really soft consciences, and if I say be generous, now you're gonna walk out of here like super guilt ridden. <laughs> okay? Oh, no, no, no. Okay, okay. I, I've gotta be a good Christian, and I, I, I don't wanna be a sucky Christian. I'm, I, you know, like, uh, I'm gonna be like full of guilt. You're gonna be all guilty, okay? So, this point is for you, right? Do some planning. It says right here, each one must give as he has decided in his heart. So, please make a decision. That means plan. Plan and make a decision. People can ask money from you anytime all over the place and it happens. It comes in your mail. I mean, I get asked for money in my mail like five times a week. I guess if you give money to something anywhere, I mean, somehow you end up on some crazy mailing list. <laughs> and, and then people start asking you, I, I get money from Catholics and I'm not even Catholic. Give money to Benedictine order of the something-something nuns. And I'm like, I don't even know who the heck you are. I'm not Catholic. <laughs> so why are you asking me for money? Okay, And so... You know you can get these uh, and so and people ask you 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 know you see the beggar on the street corner and you stop at certain signals you, you guys know what I'm talking about, right stop stop lights and you a uh, pang of guilt should I shouldn't I? I'm a Christian maybe I should you, you ever have, have happen to you Well, today let me tell you, make a decision of how you're going to be generous. Choose. you don't have to give to everything. the Lord knows you you got you have bills to pay and mouths to feed and things that you have to do, and that's fine. And in fact, the Lord is even generous to you to get that you have that and, and then some. The Lord is not stingy. But so then decide in your heart how you will give. Some may want to give to a particular missionary, some to a church, and I'm, or maybe to a certain people in your neighborhood that are, are hurting. So I'm not even talking about the church. So decide. And then when these other asks come, you know what you say? You just go, no, without guilt. See? See? I'm not trying to get you to guilt you to this thing. No. So um, I do not give to the beggars on the street corner most of the time. That's the majority of the time. When that guy comes over. You know, he's got his little sign. You know what I do? I look away. Because by looking away, that signals to them, you're not getting anything from me. Right? Every now and then I hear the Lord saying, give to this person. Usually it's a woman. Like a poor widow or an elderly person, okay, because the, the Bible talks about compassion there, and then I can feel the Lord saying, give to this person, and then I'll, I'll whip out a couple bucks, and I'm like, but most of the time, I don't, I've got no guilt about it whatsoever, huh? maybe for you, maybe you should decide you want to give to the, those people, and that'd be great, but then decide, Some someone is goes, oh, how do you know, how do you know that they're not on drugs, and or they're not alcoholics. Some of them are. <laughs> That's how they end it. Some of them are. So it, it's not naive to actually ask that question. I don't think it's naive. Some are, some aren't. Right? Some are actually just mentally ill. So may you, you don't want to let them get alcohol, which would actually hurt them, not help them, right? So you know what you could do? You can go to McDonald's. <laughs> you can get a McDonald's gift certificate. And you can have that in your glove box. Because there's no beer at McDonald's, guys. <laughs> There's no whiskey at McDonald's. There's no cigarette at McDonald's. So, if you want, so why don't you decide? And then you you don't have to worry. So you're like, oh, the book. So hey, if that's your real excuse, well, I don't give anything because they might just use it for alcohol. Okay, if that's your real excuse, and there's there's an easy way to get around that. You just have to decide and plan a little. Huh? So please, so find some way to plan and do some giving. Hmm. Um. Uh, let me give two more tips, right? One, let me be, be brief on these. Number one, give regularly even if small amounts. Give regularly. Give regularly. Part of your lifestyle, give regularly. Yeah. My wife and I regularly, it just comes straight out of my checking account and there's a one missionary where they don't, they, it just comes out of my, it just gets charged my credit card. And it's not a lot of money.
0: Yeah.
1: And I've shared about this before. One of the missionaries support $45 a month not a lot of money but over the course of the year it turns into real money and you know what i'm happy to give that money whenever i read her reports about like the ministry that's happening over there it's like yes (laughs) it's cool i have a very small part in it it's a very small part but i have a part last tip that i go on to before i close this message it says here and this part's amazing So I was meditating on this verse, verse uh, verse 10. It's amazing. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing. So you know what he's saying? If you give unto the Lord, you have an account with the Lord and you give to other people from Him for Him. You know what he's saying? The Lord will multiply it for you. I mean... I'm not, this isn't some health and wealth, some trick like give money and then God will give you like No, 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 no. Like guys who say that, I hate those preachers. But God is like saying, he will bless you so you can do this more. But the point is not money. <laughs> the point is so there'll be an increase in the harvest of righteousness, joy, glory. So you can sow bountifully, you can reap bountifully. And the reaping is, guess what? The joy, the beauty. The gladness, the willingness to give more, and spreading this thing of giving more. And as that happens in your life, celebrate it. So maybe you will choose to give, and then something will happen in your life. By the way, if you choose to do this, don't be surprised this happens. I've seen this happen. It's happened in my life. I can't promise you exactly how it's going to happen, but it happens. Some people move from a portion of their life where it's all about stinginess and me, and then they choose to say, you know, Lord, I'm going to try to go have this and move toward generosity. And then they practice a form of generosity. And then somewhere along the line, and then weird stuff starts to happen sometimes. Every now and then, the Lord blesses you. He just drops you. You know what this is? That's him supplying more seed. And I know, brothers and sisters, when this happens to their life, sometimes you know what they do? They celebrate that. <laughs> that you're like, I did this, and then all of a sudden, the Lord dropped something more into my life. I didn't, wow, that was more than I even gave. And then you know what they do? They celebrate it. There's a lot of different ways you can celebrate it. You might want to call somebody over for dinner. You make a nice dinner. Maybe you order out and get some really nice dinner. Maybe somebody that you know who's hurting, going through a hard stretch. Hey, want to come over for dinner? And they don't know why. You don't have to tell them. like, oh, just just for the heck of it. I haven't seen you in a while. Let's, Let's have a really cool dinner. And they come over, and they eat, you, you have this really nice feast, and they're like, what is this for? Um, the Lord just blessed us recently. I just want to celebrate with you. Hmm? Or do it like those brothers, those, old, those brothers in InterVarsity. Get together with the few. Come up with a little plan. And it's like, okay, let's just do this. And you could start small. And then as you see the Lord multiply it, and then as you see the glory that comes out of it, celebrate it together. Get together. <laughs> Get together and celebrate it together. I mean, heck, guys, get together, go out for a beer together and go clink to Jesus. That was really cool what happened there when we got together. I mean, I know that's kind of crazy. The pastor told so you go out for a beer <laughs> to celebrate generosity. Absolutely. Why? Because this heavenliness will start to spread. And it will sort of change your heart and those around you. Now, let me close my message, being enriched by God before we go to the table of the Lord. This is how God operates. God is a rich God. He owns everything, right? The way it says in the Bible, he owns a cattle on a thousand hills. Not a thousand cattle, get it? A cattle on a thousand hills. And I told you guys last week, for those of you here, money was furry back then. And so to say, you have a cattle on a thousand hills to say God is a billionaire's billionaire. But it's not money. God could flick galaxies. He owns everything. You know how this is how the Holy God, the Triune God, operates. You know what the Father did to the Son? He said, "Son, I'll give you all my kingdom, all my name, all my glory. I'll bestow it upon you." He just gives it to him. And then you know when the Son came to the Earth to come win us, you know what he did? He said, I'll give you all my name and all my riches. I'll give you my name. I'll give you my sonship. I'll give you my robe of righteousness. I'll give you my kingdom. Everything that's really beautiful and glorious that I've been given by my Father, because I went to the cross for you, I'm going to give it to you. And then he pours out the Spirit, and then you know what the Spirit does? The Spirit doesn't say, hey, give me, give me. The Spirit pours out all the riches on us. And then, when the Spirit builds the kingdom as the kingdom of Jesus, and Jesus' name is exalted, and there's more and more people coming in, and more and more people are laying down their wealth and all their riches at the feet of Jesus, you know what Jesus does at the end of history? He goes back and takes that kingdom, and you know what he does? He gives it back to the Father. He says, Father, I give it to you. You get this? Our God gives. You know why he's rich? Because he pours out generously. His riches actually is his generosity. He doesn't have his riches by saying, here, put it into me, put it into me, give me, give me, give me. His riches actually comes because it pours out of him to others, and then riches comes out of him, into him. That's how riches work. And the gospel says that God went to a really, really stingy me, me, me people and then he gave his most richest possession, his son. And sacrificed him on the cross so that his son can now pour forth this radical, generous, giving heart of God. And change us. And change this world. That's why. So don't become legalists, please. And don't walk out of here guilty, We're going to go to the table of the Lord and hope you can start to take steps toward real heart generosity and change your whole relationship to money. Let's pray. Father, this is really not easy for us. I know you know. We confess to you we're a fearful, greedy, selfish, and stingy people. And our money stays for us. But when we go to your table now and eat of the riches and reap bountifully something that no money can give to make us truly rich inside as only you enrich us by grace, not by dollars. As we go to the table, Lord, to take this uptight, wound up, Backwards people living in the darkness of stinginess. Would you shine forth the glory of your generous heart out of us. And make us cheerful givers. <laughs> Actually glad giving. Glad to give. Glad to sow. And that we would reap bountifully. And make us a joyful, wonderful people. So go to your table now. In Jesus' name.